Nicole Strickland. I have been fascinated with the unknown and paranormal realms since childhood. After a profound experience with my grandmother's spirit 20 years ago, I have been on a quest to observe, study, investigate, and communicate with the afterlife and beyond. It's been an ongoing journey of exploration and discovery, one that has taught me how mortality and the spirit world are forever bonded through the veils of time. Good evening, folks. Happy Thursday. June is almost over and we are now segueing into July in a couple of days. Welcome to another awesome night here on WLTKDB.com. Of course, this is the Afterlife Chronicles, another night of exploring the connection between life, death and beyond. We have a fantastic guest planned for you tonight. Of course, I'm your host, Nicole Strickland. Let's see. You can follow us here right on the website. Like I said, WLTKDB.com. Anywhere with that handle, WLTKDB will lead you to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. Of course, you can follow uh, the show's uh, Podbean page at afterlifechronicles.podbean.com. Okay, so before I bring in tonight's guest, it's going to be an amazing episode. Uh, Kelly Brickle, she's truly amazing, has uh, a lot of knowledge and a lot of different topics. So very looking forward to talking with her. But I do want to recap Realm of Darkness, the show that aired, of course, right before this one. If you missed the show, it will be archived for you. Of course, Rini Rodriguez and Ashley Moreno host the show. And they were discussing very interesting discussion about uh, kind of opinions on what Uh, makes children murder, which is kind of obviously a very deep topic. So I enjoyed the show. Again, it's archived for you if you missed it. So, okay. San Diego had a bit of of a surprise on Monday night around 10 p.m. Pretty much half the city noticed lights, very odd lights off the coast of the Pacific Ocean here. So the San Diego Police Department said, you know what? We can confirm that those were uh, flares due to a military exercise. However, the military came out and said, well, we don't really know what those lights were. And then now, just last night, the news break broke that actually the Coast Guard did confirm that they were indeed flares off that were dropped from a Navy C-130 plane off the coast of San Clemente. So they confirmed that. But, you know, my my line of curiosity still wonders, are they downplaying it? Was it really UFO activity? I don't know. I didn't see the lights. I watched the video. The, the lights don't behave like flares. But hey, what do I know? So interesting, interesting thing on Monday night. And then, of course, uh, we just got a brand new historical case, the San Diego Paranormal Research Society, a big historical case down in downtown San Diego. So we'll be starting that pretty soon. More details to emerge when I have them. So let's see what else. It's already three minutes past. We have a lot to talk with or talk to tonight. I can't even talk. Hello. Two wires aren't connecting there. Let's start over, shall we? Let's bring Kelly Brickle right in. Kelly, how are you? I think, are you on mute? I think she's on mute. Oh, yes. Hey, my wires weren't connecting for a second. I know. See, see, I'm the one. I see you're following my energy. See, I made you screw. I I can be like that. too. I know. Right. I need some water. My goodness. Yes. Oh, my gosh. 
That is so neat. Uh, some of the things that you mentioned, like the the missile testing. I actually, I have to double check that video that I saw because I randomly saw something. I didn't look much into it, and the the picture, I believe. I don't know if it was an old picture. I don't know if it was a new picture, but it looks like the previous missile testing that went off like around LA that people were buzzing about. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. But I don't know. I didn't, of course I'm inland. So I'm in an area called Tirasana. So I'm like 10 minutes from, from the ocean. So I didn't see them, but uh, I, I watched the video and they are odd. And what's interesting is Imperial beach, I guess they canceled the fireworks display at the last minute and now they're going to have this big drone show out there so i think that that's kind of a little odd right after all of the reports about the lights i mean i don't know what to make of it but you know interesting things i mean i've seen ufos here in san diego before with my own eyes you know with us being such a military city it's not a surprise la too so i thought i'd mention that um just you know everyone was talking about it on social media and and all of that. So, but anyways, it's so good to have you. You're so multifaceted, you know, you're a psychic medium, you're a healer, you're a numerologist, you have so much to offer. So thank you for joining me tonight. Absolutely. It's my honor to be on your show. Like you're yeah. multifaceted yourself. So I'm oh. excited to you. Thank you so much. So let's start out with your journey, uh, with you knowing about your, your psychic and intuitive senses and how that all came to be for you sure oh gosh i could go uh so many directions <laughs> the right? mic is yours <laughs> oh my gosh all right just just lead me and guide me through this so <laughs> I guess when i was a kid i didn't know i was like psychic or i didn't know i had mediumship abilities and it wasn't until i was a teenager where i really started to have um, a lot of self-reflection time, alone time. Um, growing up when I was a teenager, I went through a lot of like sleeping issues, which caused me to miss a lot of school. It wasn't on purpose, let me tell you. you no, know, I can imagine. Right, yeah. Like it wasn't just like, I stayed up late, I can't go to school. No, it was just, it, unfortunately, I couldn't go to sleep so consistently. It really affected my health. So it was actually tremendously stressful, very anxiety um, ridden, like perplexing. And so I had a lot of time to go, what's going on with my body? Um, you know, I just, uh, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. And I was just so kind of alert at nights and I would just like kind of pick up things. And I really did think it was like my imagination. So I just started meditating and praying a lot and reading books. And then I started to realize that other people were having experiences that I was having. And it, what was going on is I was just becoming way more sensitive around like my puberty. I just started becoming very, very more in tuned, empathic, um, and just kind of hyper alert with, with energies. And it just kept opening up the more um, I went into becoming a teenager. So I would say it started around like four, 14, 14, maybe a little earlier, but definitely like 14, like 15. And then um, I started really investigating, hey, what's going on around 16? And uh, it just, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I know what's happening. It was, it took many years to kind of 
understand like, oh, I'm a really sensitive person. I'm getting these experiences. What are they decoding like the truth, you know, checking in with like my own just like mental health on things. And it wasn't ever I was scared. I was just always very careful and perceptive. And I like to understand things. I always have been one to kind of research and understand. And I sometimes more so I'm very much an open book. I really am. But more so in the past, I wouldn't talk about things unless I really understood them because I didn't want anyone to think that I just was saying whatever. And that is very much how I felt about with my mediumship and psychic um, experiences when I was younger. I was very safeguarded about it. I didn't share it a lot. And a lot of people who grew up with me didn't know that I had some of these experiences and I didn't really share them until I was like really in my early 20s. And and still, it wasn't something I freely talked about. Now I do. So when I was a kid, looking back on things, just to give you some perspective, um, I was very psychically connected to other people. Like I remember as a kid, um, just naturally, it's like, I knew everyone's name in this. We had a lot of people in the school. I knew like all the teachers' names, even teachers that I didn't have. Like I love to learn everybody's names. I love to learn about people. I had always been super curious about people and I'd always like feel into the energy of people. So I'd know when someone's having a bad day, like my teacher or not, just someone walking past me, I would feel their emotional state. I'd feel what type of person they were. Same with, um, you know, fellow students and friends. I just had a really good understanding of emotionally always where somebody was. And so sometimes I, you know, avoided a lot of problems because of that. Um, so as a kid, a lot of psychic experiences for sure that I always just rationalized as really caring about people. You know what I mean? But right. There right. Was a lot more at play going on, even though I genuinely do care about people. And it wasn't until my teenage years that I started having actual mediumship experiences that I could more so define. I do think I had some as a child. I just don't really clearly remember much. Um, I could go into some things, but yeah, just to give you some feedback, much more stronger experiences psychically as a child. That's that's an amazing pattern, you know, recognizing even as young as you were, you know, having these experiences and then reflecting on them. And then just in hearing you, I'm hearing that you were just, you just allowed it to flow as it was supposed to almost. That's kind of like what I'm, what I'm hearing from you. And uh, I mean, it's truly amazing, you know, with, with the sleep issues, I'm wondering if that may have been correlated to your psychic senses opening up and even more. I'm wondering if there's maybe a connection with that or anything like even with your dreams during that time, if you noticed any uh, more like lucid types of dreaming or things like that. Absolutely. For um, I think children and adults who are sensitive, um, things become very quiet at night. And if you're already hyper alert or you're very attuned to your environments um, or energy at night, everything quiets down and you can pay Mm -hmm. attention even better so it's like you're re-stimulated so a lot of psychic kids mediumship um gifted kids usually do have a very hard time going to sleep at night it's because they can more easily pay attention to the spirit world because their normal day isn't getting in the way right that absolutely makes sense want to just say hi to linda nice to see you there and then of course uh tony nice to see you as well there 
Uh, and you, with all of this, you have you offer all kinds of different classes on psychic mediumship, numerology, all of that. Uh, what types? So, look, just talking about the psychic end of it, what types of classes do you offer, and how can people go about registering uh, to take a course with you? For sure, absolutely. Um, so, uh, freshly, what's up? I have a numerology class that I'm teaching. That's a modality of using your psychic gifts. You know, just like you use cards or astrology, it's a way to tap into people's life paths, information about them. Um, it's a system of energy reading. So, I have a numerology, a two-week numerology readings class, and it's unique. Um, and I'm blessed to do it because not only do we go over the foundations of numerology, but we also have a chance to actually read others with numerology. And not a lot of classes offer that. So if you want to actually practice with other people and actually learn how to do it in the moment and how to give readings, it's a wonderful class to you. Also, I have coming up um, a clairvoyance training class. That's in October. Um, and that one's super fun. I'm definitely with the way that I read predominantly clairvoyant, I would say, uh, some weeks it changes, but for the majority, I I'm, I'm very clairvoyant and I have a lot of connection to seeing things. And I actually teach others how to open up that center with practices, um, with history on what, um, clairvoyance is and mediums who have done that and just, uh, you know, practical application. So it's a really fun class. Um, and that's three weeks. That's so cool. Yeah, I was just on your website today. It's a really great website, all kinds of wonderful information on there. So you talked too on there, I read something you mentioned, you know, the importance of uh, mind, body and spirit, the spiritual side, the mental side and the emotional spheres. So for someone who is uh, maybe just learning about psychic mediumship or psychic senses, uh, and maybe is not yet aware of the importance of that mind, body, and spirit. Uh, I'm sure your classes obviously cater to, you know, the spiritual side, the mental side, and the emotional spheres of, of people's energy. So, like, if someone were to, like, ask you, okay, so, you know, I want to take a class, but I'm, I'm really unsure on, on the connection between mind, body, and spirit, what would you say to that person on the sure. importance of all, of, 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 of you know, connecting all of Sure. So everybody needs something different within their life for the people who are curious, but they, let's say, don't know the connection within themselves. Sometimes I offer like mentoring. Um, so it can be very individually catered for how that person wants to discover that answer for themselves. Um, meditation, a lot of times helps answer that question, honestly. Um, when you start meditating and you start quieting your mind, um, you start to understand there's other aspects of you that come forward when you just slow things down your emotional body rises your mental body rises and also you have these memories or feelings and impressions that seem much larger than just yourself the way that you consciously are experiencing it and that's when you start to really open up the soul and the spiritual part of you and you really have to experience that. There's one way to explain it, but someone has to really experience it and go, aha, there's something that is pulling me. I want to learn more or, okay, I understand what this can mean. Um, it has to be something within the person that they want to explore because it is very in, um, experiential 
Um, I can explain it, of course, but it's very experiential, like what the spirit and the soul is to a person. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah that, like, that's go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. It's okay. I was going to say, yes, within this work, um, everything is touched. Um, and because a spiritual um, life is a full body life and you have to look at your emotional, mental, you have to take care of your physical body and you, you, it all goes together to live a spiritual life. And that's why they're all acknowledged. Absolutely. You know, it's, and I think even modern medicine now is starting to grasp on to that. You know, I'm going to say it's a fact because I, I feel it is that, you know, the mind and the body and, and, and our spirit, they're all connected. And I like how you say it's something to be experienced, because like you said, you can just explain it over and over, but it's having that, that epiphany, that aha moment, that experience where you know there's a balance between all three. And it's once you experience that, that then you know, you know what to, to look for. So, okay, let's get into chakras too, because, you know, I think in, in the whole, in this realm of, of discussing, you know, the connection between mind, body, and spirit, the chakras play into this hugely. So for people that may be listening that don't really know, okay, wait, what's a chakra? What, I mean, what, what's, what's that? I've never heard of that. Can you explain what they are and how they all fit into this? Okay, that is like an in-depth discussion for sure. So like chakras, they mean spinning discs or spinning wheels, and they're connected to Vedic philosophy. Um, actually, um, like Reishis developed um, our understanding about the chakra system. So if you're ever curious about Vedic uh, knowledge and the energy systems of the body, definitely look into like Sanskrit scripture and, and and look into more of the Indian philosophy of how energy works. So you'll get into like doshas and koshas and koshas are like the aura, right? Um, and uh, chakras are just energy centers in the body, like a uh, big major right. energy centers in the body. So um, Vedic philosophers really mapped out the energetic body and um, they created this this map for us to understand about what certain regions represent spiritually, emotionally within the body. And um, if there's energy stuck or if it's flowing, it indicates certain behaviors within the individual with how their body is interacting with the world. Um, so for instance, chakras are linked up not only to our spiritual existence but they're linked up to our thoughts our emotions and also our organs so our physical health is all so we were talking about mind body spirit that connection like the chakras and your aura it's all connected to that with energetic philosophy so there's the physical anatomy and then there's actually like chakra anatomy and aura anatomy of what people believe and they use that wisdom to help others um, navigate their energy and it's not just a philosophy of oh here's an idea of what this could mean um, when you speak and work within um, this philosophy there's a lot of accuracy there's a lot of backed up consistency um, the reason why they made it is because once you really understand how chakras and auras work and, and you have some flexibility with experience. Um, it's kind of like numerology. It's kind of like, here's a system. 
all right, I've observed this of the system and you can relate to this. And the person will go, yes, I can relate to this because if you have an imbalance in the heart chakra, um, you know, you're going to be dealing with like uh, sadness or anger or loss. If you have an imbalance in your knees, you're going to be more Mm -hmm. stubborn. Or, you know, you're not going to be as flexible if you have an imbalance in the feet, you're, you know, that deals with fear a lot, you know, so there, there's like these storehouses of energy. And if someone's imbalanced or balanced, they exhibit usually certain behaviors that are very close to universal. Um, there's more specifics, of course, but but chakras are, are, are so important to learn about. If you want to learn about Reiki or psychic readings, um, they're they're very, very helpful. So I can go into it further, but th- th- that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I know. I know this is very in-depth. And what I like about you is how, because there's a connection between all of these, you know, psychic mediumship, Reiki or Reiki, uh, uh, you know, chakra balancing and cleansing and numerology, it's, they all kind of fit and they all kind of work with each other. So kind of having an understanding of them individually and then how they work with, you know, all the other components as well, I think is important. So Linda is asking here, what does Kelly think of, uh, I want to say, is it Chaldean numerology? Is that how you pronounce that? I've never heard of it. I don't know if it's Cladian or is it Chaldean. Cladian? Yeah, it might be Cladian. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're saying it. I've heard, it's, it's, I've seen the word, but I don't know. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've seen, I'm going to have to look it up. So there's, there's different systems of, of Reiki. There's different systems of numerology. And um, some are regional, um, and some are definitely inspired um, and have foundations on Western or Eastern numerology. So, like, there's these very big um, systems of numerology that, like, precede us hundreds of years ago. And so, let's say if it's Chaldean or Cladian, um, it's going to be connected to another system usually, um, I, I'm not familiar with it, um, but just to give you an idea, like Western numerology uses different principles than Eastern numerology. So it's not just because it's numerology, does it use the same rules from, right. from, you know, from system to next system? Actually, they're vastly different. Like a three in like Eastern um, numerology is very different than a three in Western numerology and so on and so forth. As long as you have a system that leads to accuracy, you're fine. Um, so I'll look into it. I appreciate you putting that down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've seen the word. I I just, I, I'm not too familiar of, you know, with it either. I don't know if, if Linda, if you're still listening, if you want to, you know, jot down, you know, maybe a definition of what that is and we can expand on it if you want. Um, But I've seen the word, but I haven't, you know, obviously read up on it, but you know, I, it's, there's a feeling you get when you know that your chakras are open and it's, and it's one of those things, at least for me, it's hard to put in words, it's hard to describe it, but and it happens, you just, you know, you know that there's something that's clearing there. So are you seeing like with people that are taking your classes and coming to you for advice, are you seeing more of um, certain types of chakras need more balancing nowadays, especially in the last two years, like with the pandemic and all the challenges going on? Are you seeing changes in that? Or is it just pretty much how it's always been? Uh, That's cool. So definitely that question would be connected to like my energy healing practice because 
with um, like a psychic reading, I'll tune into the person's experience, but I'm not, let's say, so conscious about, oh, this is what's going on in the body. I kind of just go, oh, I'm here. I talk about it. And then sometimes I'll forget unless you remind me because it's almost like when you're reading, you're kind of in this different state, right? But, and it can be like that in energy healing too. Um, within energy healing though, my mind usually likes to kind of, it's just the way my mind is. Like it's, it, it can be very cerebral, logical at times. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tune in. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'll have more recollection of, of what someone's chakras are doing, right? Because I have to usually talk to them about it after the session. Like, hey, this is how your energy was. And this is what I observed. So that's why it's more remembered. Um, I think when someone finds a healer, um, they're, they're connected to their energy, they gravitate to them for a reason, sometimes one they don't know. And every healer um, has a talent or a speciality with energy that they work with more easily. Um, sometimes they don't even know that within themselves, but they might find like, wow, I've been getting a lot of people that have a throat chakra blockage. Or like, wow, every time someone comes to me, like I really have to work on the roots. And it's, that's the energy that they are attracting that either they, the healer has to learn about themselves in, and life is finding a way for them to open up that energy because healing needs to be accessed, not only for the individual, but for the healer itself, or because the healer is actually a leader of the energy and they've transcended a certain lesson where they can then offer that to other people. So I really do think that there is a strong correlation with the individual healer of what the healer needs to understand and work on and also what the healer healer is a leader in. So there's that. Um, The more, um, I guess, since, I guess, 2012 and the pandemic, um, there's been a lot more emphasis on the upper chakras of people. Um, Usually, I guess, people had imbalances I would say from their past largely more so in their lower chakras Um, but I noticed that people are more energy sensitive now and they have much more I guess blockages or stress in their upper chakras Um, that's not a hundred percent because some people have always been like that but I do notice the more aware and open and sensitive people are becoming the more that they do have excess energy in their crown and even in their heart and not just um, not just a personal life way, like an empathetic way, like they're picking up other people's energies. That's like, people are just becoming more empathetic. So their energy load that they're taking on is more and they're using their upper chakras more. That's something I've kind of noticed. Um, Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. But I think usually the people who come to a, a Reiki healer are kind of ahead of the curve, but now it's becoming more normalized. So I think the vast majority you're seeing that. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And and Linda just I'll just flash this too. She said, uh, thank you. It seems confusing when there are different systems. I agree that you need to work with the system that does resonate or resonates is what she said. That's that's true. You know, just this is all like so, so fascinating. And so numerology, I think, is one of those topics that a lot of people are interested in, may know a little bit, want to get more into it, but don't really know how. 
So if someone were to like come to you, I guess for a numerology, and I know how in depth this is, but if someone wanted to come to you for like, you know, to, to learn about their own charts, you know, numerical charts and numerology, like what would that process be? Sure. So um, when people come for a numerology reading, um, sometimes they're, they just want to be read. They're just like, I right. want to be read. I want to hear a little bit about my numbers. And it's kind of more like a traditional reading. It just happens that I'm using numerology largely, right? And then there's other people who know more about numerology and they're like, I want to know more about my numbers. I want right. to learn about calculations I've never heard of, about or I want to know a more in-depth take on my life path number. Um, so I do notice that some people are just like, read me and other people are like, I want to know about this more, right? And so for people who are more in-depth and they want more uh, a numerology reading with analysis, you do a chart reading. And then for people who are just kind of curious to be read, um, the the reader is going to be using their birthday and their name to go into different calculations and they just, you know, kind of away they go, right? Um, and everyone has a different way of doing it. And, and Linda, like for instance, even within Western numerology, the one that I use, there's other people who use Western numerology that have different rules within their numerology. Like, how can I put that? I, I use Pythagorean numerology and I know a lot of ways that it's being taught where the rules that they use are not the rules that I use. Does that make sense? So right. it's, it's really all over the map. And your job as a numerologist is just to find the most accurate rule you can so you can help your client the best you can as you're doing it. That's all. That is so fast. I mean, it's just, it, it's so, so fascinating. I mean, I, I, I've actually never had mine done. And so I'm like sitting here like, oh, I'm kind of like, you know, curious as to, you know, what would be discovered with it. So, and then um, what about does astrology fit in with numerology? Are they connected at all? Or, I mean, I don't know if, if it's more of an opinion as to whether they are, or do you bring that in? with numerology astrology or do you think they should be kept separate it's a great question so um it really depends on the reader so for instance in okay. vedic astrology they use both like in vedic astrology like numerology is looked at with the astrology and numerology is heavily considered um so they really go hand in hand um with like western numerology they're not going to be concerned about astrology per se, unless the reader is like, I feel like this helps give me more clarity. So for instance, if someone gave me their astrology chart and their numerology chart, I could just look at both and just know more about them. Um, but for an actual numerology, just standalone reading um, with, with Western, you don't, you don't even consider astrology unless you're curious about it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and there's different rules involved too in both. Exactly. Of course, yeah, that, that, that's why I asked it because it, it completely makes sense. Hi, Joanna, nice to see you there. And then, of course, this is interesting. Linda says, I love numerology and you even bought my current home based on it. What? That's yeah. awesome, Linda. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. on that note, oh, 
go ahead. Were you going to say, sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> totally interrupt you. Like, let's go to break. No, no. seriously. <laughs> On that note, let's take our only break. Of course, you're tuning into the Afterlife Chronicles. Kelly Brickle is tonight's host, host, guest. I'm guest. <laughs> you know what? Two wires aren't or more than two. I don't know. It's hot up here. But anyways, we'll take a break and stay. We'll be right back, guys. Love it. <laughs> Brandon Wainwright, author of Tyson's Gift, how an eight-pound canine became a man's greatest spiritual guide and owner of Tyson's Gift Healing Arts, offers Reiki as well as color and sound modalities to anyone seeking physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. While color and sound healing, a technique that brings balance and health to one's chakras and body, must be provided in person. Reiki, a Japanese form of energy healing, can be given in person or equally effectively from a distance. For more information or to make an appointment for a session, please visit Tyson'sGiftHealing.com. That's Tyson'sGiftHealing.com. minutes past the hour of course you're tuning right back into the afterlife chronicles here for our second half hour or second part of the show i should say tonight's lovely guest is kelly brickle she is a multifaceted psychic medium a healer numerologist you name it uh fascinating discussion we had if you missed the first half hour don't worry it will be archived for you uh, we were talking a little bit about you know psychic mediumship and numerology and, and and chakra cleansing and balancing and all of that and there's so many with you kelly there's so many topics that you're so well known on and like i said earlier it's like it's nice to have a little understanding of each of these but then how they all fit together as a whole which is kind of like um, basically what we're, we're talking about tonight. So uh, one question I wanted to ask you is, and it, it, I should have asked you before, but I just remembered now, okay, with past life regression, have you found that the people that have maybe had successful uh, past life regression, do you, have you found that their chakras are more balanced than other people that may not know anything about their past lives? I was just curious on your opinion on that. Sure. So I've never facilitated past life regression. I've um, been a participant in past life regression. And right. I me too. Feel like, you know, your energy is opened up. Absolutely. I do feel like the way that your aura is shaped and the way that you connect with your energy um, is different afterwards. Like, because consciousness is connected to how we use our aura and our chakras. So absolutely, there will absolutely. be um, because you're. You, you, I'm gonna say that word changed again. Like you're forever changed if you've had a pivotal and important past life regression. Your identity changes because you just remember who you are. And if you have a certain relationship with who you are, you act different. You know, you you operate differently. Um, right. Something kind of. In 
Dean, to I think that would answer your question in a, in a slightly different way is, so one time I had a student who had an aura machine um, and she came in with it and she's like, let's play around with this. I'm like, yeah, let's do it, right? <laughs> and it was so cool because we were doing the aura reading. Um, so it was like taking an image of the shape of your aura kind of it was mostly like the colors and the color placements and that would take actually the size of your chakras like the the amount of um like uh energy emitting from your your chakra center so like the the it almost looks like a ball of light oh wow would be either like bigger or smaller and in each region depending on just the individual right and the and the colors would be different too so um, the, the one thing that I really thought was cool about that experience that was consistent because she came with the machine for more than one day. That is so, we so actually, cool. Yeah. We did like multiple little tests with it. Um, that when I did Reiki, so I would do Reiki for like maybe sometimes five minutes or 10 minutes. But when I got like a good Reiki flow going and I just gave the Reiki session, my energy, um, with my chakras, they were all um, symmetrical. So for instance, when I started the session, maybe I'd have like excess energy in my head. Maybe I'd have a smaller energy in my throat. Um, you know, a smaller energy, in my root chakra, I'm kind of just going with what I just happened to be on an individual day, right. Or more likely basis for how my energy runs. And then I would open up and receive Reiki, um, universal energy to come through my body and you feel great when you're giving a Reiki session like yes. oh my gosh when yes. you're doing a reading you feel great because you are blending with something greater than yourself and it's very healing and it's very loving so you feel good afterwards and then the machine showed that all my chakras were the same size that's incredible yeah so I was extremely balanced after I gave the session that is that incredible. Happened. It was so cool. I know. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, do you feel like that with, with a lot of the sessions you do? Or did that time, was it just a, a like a random experience? Because I would imagine you would feel like that with pretty much all the sessions you do. Yeah. I mean, that's correct. Um, every session that I do, um, I feel better than before. And let's say... I might, we're all human. I might not feel good coming in before. And, you know, after the session ends, I feel amazingly better. Like I've come in with, you know, a headache. And every time I do a reading, the headache goes away. The only time the headache might not go away is if you're not deep enough in the energy. But once you're really like in the energy and you have a good connection and you're in flow, it completely goes away. So in a lot of I would imagine any psychic medium you talk to or healer, if they've ever been, you know, had a runny nose or something or sinus blockages, it goes away while you're actually in it. That's so so amazing. It is. And after maybe 15 minutes after the session, you might revert back to the headache. You might revert back to the sinus, um, you know, pressure, or it might be alleviated. It's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm like envisioning almost like a clog. I mean, this is kind of a weird image, but like a clogged, you know, 
toilet or whatever, you know, in the pipes, it's clogged. And then when you are giving a session, it's like all of a sudden that unclogs and it's just a flow, a nice natural flow of energy. It's not like the energy isn't blocked is basically what I'm saying. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I love just, I just love discussions like this and I love kind of going in like an in-depth route discussing all of this because it is pretty out there and it is, you know, um, a lot to take in. Now, reading on your website, this is what fascinates me too. You have, you're certified, I believe, right? In uh, mental emotional release therapy. Now, this is something that I think, can you imagine if everyone understood this and practiced it, how the world would be? I mean, it's amazing. But for those that don't know what that is. What is that? What is uh, mental emotional release therapy? I mean, you can kind of glean it from from the title, but since you're an expert in it, the mic is yours. Oh, sure, sure. So yeah, like mental, um, the, it's MER and it's connected to NLP actually. So I studied NLP with Dr. Matt James. And for anyone who doesn't know what NLP is, it's narrow linguistic programming. And so that has a very therapeutic side to it, as well as a very real world application. So um, you can use it to understand more about yourself, understand about like your conscious self, your subconscious self, why you do the things that you do. We're all made of patterns. And sometimes our patterns that go through our daily life where just go why we we go why did we do this why you know like I I have a goal not to eat this I have a goal to go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night and lord help me I just can't do it I can't you you know like my body Mm -hmm. wants to do something else my brain has a different track like just it's so simple why can't I do what I'm telling myself to do and there's a reason behind that and so you can actually reprogram your habits and behaviors based on how you make different associations within your subconscious mind. So NLP can be very therapeutic from that standpoint. It also can be very um, poignant with learning how the world communicates. So how you communicate and how others communicate. So that's going into body language, tonality, languaging. Um, It's very, very helpful. And politicians use it like heads of companies use it because they need to be um, seen in a certain light or they need to have people actually rally to their cause. So communication um, education is actually really important for people who are leading companies or people. So again, super fascinating. So um, MRE is an extension off my NLP training. And actually, I don't use MRE a lot, but I can tell you what it is. I haven't been certified in it, but I don't use it because (laughs) I used to do a lot of NLP and I would use it in my NLP. And then I actually backed away from NLP because I was like, I just want to focus on my energy work more. Like, it's so needed and I love it. And I could talk about the application about it and why it is so powerful. But I actually backed away from doing the sessions because I was like, I have too much on my plate. I can only focus on so much. Right, of course. I'm a Gemini ascendant, like sign, Gemini rising. So that's why I have my, you know, hands in so many pots. Um, But let me answer you really quick. So I'm a Gemini too, so I get that. My hands are all over the place here. So (laughs) (laughs) go Geminis, yay. Go Geminis. 
<laughs> yeah, but that explains like why we're like, oh, I want to learn about this. And, and, oh and this. man. And some so M E R, excuse me, is because uh, I think I said M R E at first. That's all. <laughs> is um, emotional, uh, mental emotional release therapy. And so have you ever heard of timeline therapy? Yes. Okay. It works with timeline therapy. And for those who don't understand timeline therapy or know about it, it, it's like a regression that you take yourself on um, various points of your life. And with how it's prompted, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you have um, a therapist or a practitioner guiding you, they will have you go to a specific memory or moment within your life and you'll like float down to it or you'll just kind of observe that um, moment and you will um, associate or disassociate with it, but you'll experience the moment. And so MER helps for healing, um, sometimes in traumatic or um, just general events in somebody's life to have a release, an emotional release behind a certain um, feeling and to right. help facilitate a different pattern with how someone associates with certain events in their life. And uh, statistically, it has like an amazing um, like healing rate attached to it. That's why I was so excited for it. Um, I just don't operate with it very much anymore. Um, you know, so I'm just honest. I don't I don't personally do NLP anymore unless I'm working with actually mentoring a person and I will take certain techniques and just be like, Hey, let's do this. This could help you. But I don't exactly go, Hey, I do this. I'm an NLP practitioner an MER practitioner. Come see me for this service. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. And I'm wondering if, you know, some people like do, do it naturally without knowing that they're doing it. So like how I understand, you know, the neuro linguistic programming side, it's, changing your thoughts and behaviors, I guess, to, to fit a desired outcome, I guess, is how I understand. And that's how kind of how I understand it. So I, I mean, I'm thinking when you know, with, with MER and NLP, um, and did I say that right? Yeah. Neuro-linguistic programming. How does it fit into like feedback therapy and even um, yeah, sure. hypnosis? Because yeah, I'm wondering if, seems like they're all kind of correlated there. They are correlated. Um, so NLP is an extension that was created off of hypnosis. Um, okay. Its practices are different, but it goes back to some of the principles of hypnosis because what happens with certain um, MER and NLP therapies, what you have to do when you're getting to the subconscious mind is you have someone close their eyes and you ask them questions or you ask them to visualize things and they have to change their state in order to associate. So you have to lead them. It's not that you're leading them into a trance. Someone's joining you in an altered brain state where, yes, you're technically in a trance, but all you're doing is meditating and um, repeating back what you are experiencing within your visuals, your feelings, um, your audit, your audi auditory memory, um, you're engaging someone's senses so they have a different response than whatever is just embedded and coded with what was on the fly when whatever happened to them. So there's a okay. lot of prompts involved. Does that make sense? That sense? does. There's, there's scripts and there's prompts involved. And when there's not scripts and prompts involved, what you're doing is you're asking somebody a question and you're making them answer you in a way where they're not thinking about the question. So what you're doing is you're either 
meditating them almost in a way so they're relaxed and they're in a different state of flow. Or you go, okay, what excites you? Just give me two things, right? Um, And someone might say pineapples and blueberries. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, Do you like pineapples or blueberries better? Pineapples. Do you like blueberries or pineapples better? Okay, give me some more things. Cherries, uh, you know, dragon fruit. Okay, would you say you like dragon fruit better than pineapple? And you just literally keep asking them things until they're just literally their subconscious brain is giving you answers, not their mental thoughts. So yeah, okay. You start to understand people's drivers that they're not even aware about and you start making certain um, associations with their drivers for so they can actually change it because you go, hey, what's really going on? If you were to ask that person, what's really going on? Why aren't you able to change? Why are you having a problem? Or, you know, where's the trauma? Someone will tell you rationally where they think it is. But when you start doing these things like MER, when you start doing NLP or hypnosis, the subconscious brain comes up and just starts actually telling you what's going on. And then you can actually work with the healing. Right, right. Okay. That's that's an excellent, excellent description of that. So if someone were to want to, let's say, get certified in it, how how is that? Like what types of courses do you have to take? Because I think I read oh, sure. it takes about like a month or at least the side I read. I mean, I didn't have time to really you know, look at different sites, but thought I read it takes like around a month, I guess, if maybe you do it full time or something like that. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of different courses for hypnosis, NLP. Um, there's, it depends on who's teaching it. Like for instance, like with me, I took a, like a, I would say my total amount of time was three weeks and there were very intensive long days. So for instance, mm-hmm. I was there for a 8 a.m. to like 9 p.m. every day. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Very, very long days. And then you have to do like certificate certification testing after that. Um, so very involved, very long days. It depends on who your teacher is, but for a certain level of certification and NLP, it's gonna be um longer than shorter, yes. Okay, so that that, you know, and I'm sure there's, you know, different, you know, places where you can, you know, get the certification. I, w- I was just curious. It, these are such fascinating topics. And it's it's like I said earlier, how all these topics individually are, are interesting. But what's even more intriguing is how they fit together and how they, they kind of balance each other and, you know, complement each other, which is so, so fascinating. And then, of course, the Reiki as well. And so you're a Reiki master, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I teach it and I love it. Yeah. So if what one question I have for you with Reiki, when should someone, I guess, not receive Reiki or can anyone receive it at any time? I like to ask, I ask this question. I have a lot of people that I know that do Reiki. So I like to ask them like, is there, should someone not get Reiki? Are there any limitations as to like, you know, when people shouldn't get it or, you know, So um, Reiki in general is like this universal energy that complements, balances, um, it really makes you feel good. And I would say the only time I wouldn't recommend uh, Reiki is if someone's already doing way too much of it, like 
they want. Like I've had people that want to do multiple sessions the same day and it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Overloaded. Yeah. You're your system is going to get overloaded and then it's going to like make you crash. It's like cramming down mm-hmm. just like it. And so you just, you're cramming it or there's, there's people that let's say they're not doing multiple sessions of Reiki, but they're like, Oh, I just had like a reading yesterday and I did a sound bath. And it's just like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Again, sensory overload. Take it easy. Um, another thing that I think is good to talk about is, if you want to have a session and you have like friends with you or family with you, I recommend the family like going out and having lunch or mm-hmm. giving you space during the session because I've literally had in the past um, like children come in for Reiki and they need their parents' consent and you do something very gentle and short with them. It's not the same a session an adult would get. And I've literally said, hey, like, okay, I'm stepping away. I'm I'm going to let your, um, well, I wouldn't tell the parent right after the session. How can I put it? I'd be like, I would let the, the child know very gently, like, okay, I'll be right back, right? And then I tell the parent, I go out of the room, I tell the parent, like, okay, she's waking up. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. Um, and I notice that the parent at times, this has happened at times, they'll just go like, okay, well, it's over. I'm just going to go on in and wake my kid up. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so here's the thing. Like, I don't recommend it if someone's not going to give you space. So if you're not in an environment, like, like if you're doing it in your home, um, you need to have that home quiet. You need to have people supporting, um, giving you space. So they will be quiet while you're doing that. Like, you can get jolted, you're like woken up, you cannot fully relax, you can feel uncomfortable because there's too much distractions around you. I don't recommend Reiki if you're just kind of inviting someone over to do it and there's too much going on or you don't have someone who's going to give you space because it can be a very jolting experience if you're very deep and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, cool. That was awesome. I'm going to go out and party or I'm going to go and see my friends and, you know, go to an environment where there's just overstimulus and I just did something to open up my energy. What happens is you, you're so open after Reiki that if you do too much or if there's too much going around you, you might feel not good. You might feel paranoid. You might feel very emotional. You might feel very uncomfortable. It's because energy is settling you shouldn't kick up more energy. It's right. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, these are great points. And I, I always ask that question with, if, you know, cause I know so many people that, that, and I've actually, I'm, I've been attuned to it. I don't practice it as much as I should, but giving it and receiving it, it's, it's really a wonderful feeling. It, it really is. And, and the way you feel after, and uh, I know when I've had it, it's just, it's, it's like you feel rejuvenated, you feel, um, not the opposite of fatigued. You just feel well rejuvenated. So it's really awesome. And I know tonight we kind of like jumped around with, you know, going from, you know, psychic mediumship to numerology to, you know, chakras to numerology. I wanted to get it all in, but it all fits together. So, yeah. uh, it's, this has been such a great discussion. So where can people, I mean, you're on social media and all of that. So if people wanted to, you know, follow you, like what are your socials, your website, give all that information out if you want. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can come find me on my website at energeticsessions.com. Um, that's where you can sign up for events and um, even see things about weekly what's going on. Um, you can find me on the Psychic Hour um, with the radio show. Nicole's been a guest. We've had her on. Um, and you can also find me on social media just under my name, Kelly Brickle. Um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, etc. So I'm very accessible. Fantastic. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to join me tonight. Uh, I learned a lot. You know, I always learn something from these shows. Um, you're incredible. Keep doing the work you're doing. Uh, energeticsessions.com is your site. I've been to it. It's amazing. Uh, your radio show is awesome as well. I love it. I love the title too, The Psychic Hour. That's just so I love it. The psychic hour. It's awesome. So anyways, uh, thank you again for joining me tonight, Kelly. I hope you have a fantastic and safe 4th of July weekend. And that goes for all of you that are listening as well. I can't believe it's already going to be July. Wow. I mean, before you know it, it's going to be Christmas again. But hey, that's a whole nother discussion. So please have a wonderful and safe uh, 4th of July. Let's see. Next week, I have Greg Koss coming on. I believe, yes. And then on the 14th, Mike Ricksecker, the 21st, Lindsey Brown, and the 28th, Matthew Stapley as well. And then I just want to read something too that I found from Buddha. And I like this. He says, what you think you become, what you feel you attract, and what you imagine you create. So I thought that that was very fitting for uh, tonight's episode. And then, of course, one last uh, quote here that I love by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I just love this. Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Have a great night, great weekend, and we will see you next week. Good night, guys. Thank you so much.